0: good Thursday afternoon to you welcome to the Matt Townsend show I am your host Dr. Matt Townsend your life coach your guide on the side today I will be your career coach That is the topic of today's incredible two-hour show, Making Your Work Your Calling. Do you feel, as you're out there in listener land, driving that truck or driving home from work today, do you feel like, oh, man, I found it. The gold mine. My job is heaven on earth. Little Ethel Merman there again. Uh, My job is the most incredible thing in the world. Do you feel driven? Do you feel connected to your job is your job, your work, your calling. Is your vocation your avocation? That's what some people say. Uh, That is the topic today because if it's not, what do you do? I guess I just have to deal with it for the next 25 years. Some people just will suck it up. Now as I look at my team, they love their job. They can't get enough of it, right?
1: Actually, we talk often about how much we love our jobs. Do you really? Yeah, as students at a university, seriously, this is about the best job you can get.
0: Are you saying that because you're afraid?
1: No, I'm saying that because we get we are all really good friends, so that's always fun. which is
0: a little problematic
1: at times, but mostly it's just <laughs> oh, that's right. Great, we're not, not going
0: to do the intervention right now. No, kay? we're not.
1: Um, but do also, we're getting it? yeah, we're getting professional experience. We're all working um, kind of in the field that we want to be working. Kind in. Kind of, so, yeah, yeah.
0: But it's great. But then, you know, you might get out there in the real world and think, I don't want to do radio or TV or film.
1: It's true. That is a possibility. Like,
0: What if all of a sudden you get out there, Merit, and you think, I hate film?
1: You are calling up my deepest fears.
0: Film makes me sick and (laughs) nauseous. And what if what you want to do really is scrapbooking?
1: That would be interesting. I do. I want to. I, <laughs> when I sit down with paper to do crafts, what happens is I end up with like misshapen pieces of paper yeah. stuck to my hands and face. like
0: They're glued like it's all stuck over. Yeah, there.
1: crafts yeah. are. Uh, so you no don't want
0: going. that. Does that worry you? Because when I was young, I knew I wanted to be a broadcast journalist. I knew that. Then I became one and I wanted to die.
1: Yeah.
0: Because it was the worst job in the
2: world. No, seriously,
1: that is one of my biggest fears is that I'll get, you know, and I have this great career trajectory right now. Like I'm on the path to do exactly what I want to do, but there's always that nagging little voice in the back of my head. Like, what if you don't? What 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 if you get there and you hate it? What if you get there and you want to do something completely different? But, you know, uh, at the same time, I, I'm a firm believer that if you work really hard, you can do kind of whatever you want. So. I agree.
3: Yeah. And think about how long your life is. Yeah. <laughs> like You could change if it. I out. did like eight <laughs> you know, times. I'll i change my <laughs> job You know, time. age 24 that yeah. I don't
1: want to do the rest you, of
0: That's it. That's yeah. what I learned is that it, you'll, it'll never be – it's not a job. You don't go get a job. You make a career,
1: yeah. And you so are
0: your brand, right? So you just have to
1: sometimes make your brand. Your job is a tool to get the career you want, yes, not necessarily the fulfillment of your career.
0: Because I'm at a stage in my life where I have a pretty good gig.
3: Yeah, you do. We do all the work for you. I know. You come I talk. show up. You're, d- you're done.
0: <laughs> I sit here. You guys have to work in the <laughs> in the hole and sweat. No, but part of it is, but. I've had so notice. I'm back in broadcast. I started sure. in broadcast, but see, part of what I didn't like about broadcast, I no longer have to deal with. I'm not a journalist. I just I'm not. I get to say what I think, you're which a is doctor. what I'm a doctor for crying <laughs> yeah. out. But that's what bothered me in journalism is I'd spend my entire life interviewing everyone else to hear their opinion, and then in my head I'm like, well, that was stupid. I don't even like that <laughs> opinion. But you can't say anything because you're a journalist and you got to be a purist. So I didn't like that. So then I got out of it, and now I'm back. But now I can say what I want, and I can say, well, that's stupid.
3: Perfect. See? You used it for your advantage. I fixed
0: it. But but again, it's my mission, too. I feel like I'm doing something that is my calling. And here's another irony. It's not fun, always. No. It's hard.
3: What's hard about your job?
0: Um, Okay. (laughs) This morning, I shot a television segment for a local station for eight minutes, The entire week I was planning to do one segment that was already I had already thought about it. They told me yesterday on my way home from here that we're doing another segment on a completely different topic. So I had to figure out what I was going to talk about and produce it and get it to them by 7 in the morning.
3: Yeah, okay, that's hard. Deadlines.
0: Then go deliver it. So that was harder on top of everything else and clients and life and –
4: well, I'd also assume and-
1: that your your especially coaching is totally emotionally
0: draining. Ugh, exhausting.
1: I feel like um that's part of in my work, what I do in uh in, in my major and what I I do that the emotional draining is actually part of like a huge trial as part of it because you're creating stuff and it's part of you and you're doing a lot of personal expression and that can be some of the hardest stuff like sometimes I'd much rather crank out something that has nothing to do with me personally because it can be it's so tiring to express yourself all the time well
0: and then to have people judge it
1: exactly like what do
0: you know I've been thinking about this for nine hours. <laughs> Shut your mouth and we're going to just do it. But, it. but see, that's it. So there's that and yeah. then it's the expression of you. But if it, I also have found I have an abundant amount of energy to do it because it's my calling. Yeah. So it's, it's, you you, it's it. tied to what I feel like I'm supposed to be doing on this earth. Right. So shouldn't everybody have their vocation, their job, be their avocation, their calling?
3: Uh, that would be ideal. That would be the dream. <laughs>
0: That's
5: hard.
3: But then I mean, look at the jobs that I'm sorry. Is there a life calling to be, you know, a plumber or a well but see some so now here's what I man found. Man well, but or... some
0: plumbers, for example, their life calling is to own their own business. So it's not just the action of doing plumbing. You may not feel called to unclog pipes. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that that's bad. But you might really just be called to ha- be your own man, have an independent schedule, and be able. I mean, plumbers can make coin.
3: Yeah. And especially for when sure. you're
0: running like 10 trucks. And so, if some people want to just be a business person, they could be a business person. Or I know guys that are dying to get a, a job that they can be their own boss so that they can coach their son's football team at four o'clock every afternoon.
3: Oh, that's cool. cool. Yeah. So
0: the job then fulfills their calling in life, which might be being a dad. Right.
3: Or- I've seen of- it in
1: other ways too. Since I grew up with parents who are university professors, I've seen so many professors who really disliked maybe the kind of political or, you know, curriculum aspect yeah. of the job. But they love working with students. And that's see, you know, their, or they love doing their research. Yeah. And that's what they love about the job. So sometimes it's not necessarily that they I mean the it job never itself, is necessarily right. the, yeah, the entire like that. Yeah. aspect of the job, but maybe there's one particular thing. And it's amazing to see because as I have tons of different professors and I, I learn from all of them, some of them are really into their research, and that is very uh-huh. inspiring to me, yeah. and I love to learn from them. And some of them, seriously, I some of my professors, you walk away from talking to them, and you feel like you've been turned into gold. Like They yeah. just make you feel uh-huh. like you can do anything, and that's a really cool thing. And they're obviously fulfilling their calling in that way.
0: There's nothing worse, though, than somebody that hates their job. So if your True. coworker Especially hates teachers, their job yeah. – it's especially teachers because they'll that's just take the it worst. out on you.
3: Yeah, they're just like you. All get Fs, and you're like, "Please, <laughs> my GPA can't handle this. I'll lose <laughs> <a> scholarship.
5: <laughs>
0: but so, so that's part of it. So, if anyone's out there and you're you're thinking, "I hate my job," then today let's just figure out how to either retool if we can, or just change your vision a little bit to figure out how you can get your calling a little bit more into your job. Yeah. But something's got to give, or you know. You cannot not communicate. If you hate your job, it's going to come out. Mm -hmm. And then if there's some young buck, I don't know, some young little Jess that just is about to graduate and she comes in with nothing but energy and vim and vigor and she's so excited, she's going to school you because she'll pass right by you with her excitement while you're just being cynical. Not that I – Yes. You you should pass everyone.
5: I just (laughs) want to
3: reiterate. I thought it was a good idea that your job is not necessarily the title but it's what you find in your job that you like to yes, do. Yes, that's huge. Because I think – because that's what I didn't understand. I was like, yeah, but I mean and, – And it's always a stepping stone. How can a plumber stone. be? But, but it's always a stepping stone. What they're because doing.
0: even to this day, I still get – I still look at the, the uh, job listings. <laughs>
3: That's so to funny. this day. It's
0: crazy. I'm never going to find broadcaster.
3: Doesn't it um, stress you out?
0: <laughs> I, it doesn't. But, but it's like, in my head, out. I'm like, yeah, okay, okay. Okay, I'm still marketable. It's
3: because you're on the other side because you already have a good job. Because <laughs> I'm fat. I'm happy. on the other side. But, like, but part, yeah. So
0: part of it is uh, everybody, you know, you can hate your job all you want. In fact, Merritt, you did some research on why people hate their job.
1: Yeah, because sometimes I think people just you kind of, and I've had jobs like this before where you go and the work is fine and your coworkers are fine and everything's kind of fine, but you still feel totally empty. empty. And that was kind of a hard thing. And a lot of it, I mean, I, yes, I've had a lot of, you know, minimum wage jobs in my day. So what is it exactly that makes people hate their jobs? And can you really pinpoint why you don't like your job if you're feeling unhappy there? So that's what I did a bunch of research on. It's pretty interesting. Um, the biggest reason is that if you're only in it for the money, and that's basically yeah. the the topic of our show today, is that you need to find something that makes you feel fulfilled. But um, on Salary. dot com, there was a survey done, and seventy three percent of the people who responded said their main motivation for getting up and going to work was the paycheck. Really? Yeah, which is up twenty percent
0: since from probably a year the drop. Ago. Okay. Oh, One really? Year,
1: yeah. And so oh, I think Oh, that's scary.
0: Okay, because that and that correlates with the, all these people that are disengaged at work.
1: Yeah, definitely. They're not wanting to be but there. But I just think that's terrifying. So, seventy three percent of people are only going to get a paycheck. So just think of that when you. Are that's, you know going yeah. to go to your accountant and they only want to work. They don't want to help yeah. you. They just want their paycheck. That's not very comforting it's on the not. consumer side, and that's not going to make them happy.
3: Well, and you see it all the time. I've had so many bad customer service experiences because people don't like their job. Yeah, oh, yeah. And Definitely. you're like, okay, well, what if I don't like my job? Everyone has <laughs> to be able to do their job. Everyone's <laughs> unhappy.
0: But money's can't. Money doesn't correlate really well to happiness anyway. No, you it only, Once you're above like seventy thousand dollars, they say there's no more correlation. More money no. doesn't make you huh. happier.
1: Um, another interesting reason is that work, when you're feeling unfulfilled by your work, it has a huge detriment to your health.
0: Okay. I so um, <laughs> Then you're already taking sick leave and you don't want yeah. to be there.
1: So same survey, 60% of workers said they were fulfilled by their jobs, but that had also fallen 20% in the past year. And um, according to a junior... A German study, when you're happy at work, you it's immediately seen in your health. And when you're unhappy at work, you're totally – you take more sick leave. You um, are more depressed. It just totally takes a toll. Oh. Another thing is that when you're stressed, you eat more, which
3: isn't oh, good for you. Yeah. It doesn't make you feel good. Well, but that's in, not anyway. bad because if Welcome you work at McDonald's,
0: you can eat all yeah. day <laughs> at your work, which might be your calling.
3: And you might be happy doing that.
0: Mm, Shamrock <laughs> shakes. <clears throat> Anyway, keep going.
3: (laughs) Another thing
1: is that if you're not committed to your job, you're you're, you have one foot out of the door. You're not feeling like you're really all in. Yeah. And I find that interesting because I had advice from a professor recently who said that wherever you are, whatever time of life, even if you're only going to be at this job or be in this city for a year, act like you're going to live there forever. Oh yeah. Just make all the friends that you can. Don't burn a bridge. Keep
0: the doors open. You know. Network. Yeah.
1: Network. Make your house beautiful. Just do everything that you can as if you were living there at the yeah. whole time and you'll be so much happier, which is really interesting advice. I'd never heard oh, yeah. that before. I'm, I'm more of the, eh, I'm leaving. Yeah. I won't make any but effort. If I'll you don't unpack,
0: I've, I've not unpacked for years. Yeah. So 10, seven years?
1: Yeah, but that lack move. of commitment and that uncertainty oh, yeah. can really eat away at you. That's right. And so that's part of the people. reason. It's good.
3: Yeah. So that's. So, for example, an if you one. look at job postings, yeah. yeah, that's <laughs> a job. Like, yeah, always thinking I'm gonna change my job. <laughs> funny. I never,
0: I, have, I never actually go after a job. <laughs> it's just, but I, I think it's just think my it's way funny. to reinforce myself. <laughs> yep, I'm still viable.
3: <laughs> I beat all of these people.
0: <laughs> I could get that job if I wanted. Um, so merit. Uh, that's pretty sad.
1: Yeah, that um, people
0: hate their job, and it's getting worse for people.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: I mean, I get it. I've hated a job. Hello.
1: Yeah um but just another interesting point is that maybe it doesn't even have to do your job because another study showed that if you work too much that can oh, lead yeah. to you feeling just as unfulfilled. So if you're feeling exhausted when you come home at the end of the day and so you sit down and watch TV or do something yeah. kind of to numb whatever you're feeling, it's every other aspect of your life is going to be more unfulfilling as well. So this isn't just something that is your career, your pers- you know, your personal life goal and dreams, this is something that will eke out into every aspect of yeah. your life yeah. if you don't do something about it.
0: See, so we're going to do something about it. We're doing something. You got to. And just a little bit would probably go a very long way, a very long way. We're going to take a break. We have an author coming up in a few segments uh, that's going to talk us talk to us about his book, Making Your Work, Your Calling. And one way we might make it a better place, according to our own Mike Pond, is we just probably need to date more in the workplace. (laughs) Uh, We'll see if that's really his his belief. We'll be right back. Uh, We're talking making your work your calling, how to make sure that work doesn't necessarily have to be feeling like horrible work, how to find your passion, your purpose in your workplace. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, today we are talking about making your work your calling. Now, for a lot of people, that's like, oh, wow, fluffy. That's a dream. That'll never happen to me. Sure. Okay. However, if you're in between jobs, if you are in your job and you're feeling the exhaustion from it, there are many things you can do to make your work your calling. So, where you feel driven, you feel called to be doing what you're doing instead of just happening into it. I think most people probably feel somewhat stuck in their workplace. I mean, it's like, uh, kids, I got to pay for braces. So on the show today, we'll be talking about that, making your work your calling. But right now, our own Mike Pond has been putting together some uh, research that maybe, you know, maybe there's another way. <laughs> <laughs> maybe instead of like if you can't make your work your calling maybe you could make it where you date. It yeah. could be your dating world.
6: You know, it could be. A lot of people kind of think of dating a a coworker as it, it seems like this wild kind of adventurous yeah. thrill ride yeah. that could make an otherwise, you know, boring work week that much more exciting. But yeah. is this going to end up in marriage? Or uh, is this going to end up, at, yeah, unemployment. <laughs> so uh, that's that's kind of the question that but to me that we're it seems just. If you
0: want my immediate gut, it feels like a bad idea.
6: Yeah, I think most of the time it's probably not a good idea. Yeah. There are you, you have to weigh the pros and cons. Yeah, it's a it's a difficult. I, by the way, a thing thing similar one
0: to. is I don't always feel like it's a good idea for a husband and wife to work together. No, it's it's just added stress. But so you know that was my take, Mike. What is the research saying? What are the you know what are the experts in employment opportunities saying?
6: I, I was talking to somebody about that, and he said, "Well, you know, my wife and I met at work twenty two years ago, and it seems to be working out. They still work together. Oh, do they really? Yeah. So uh, wow,
0: wow. You know, but on a uh, farm? Where are they?
6: Uh, where does that's he? That's pretty work? cool. That's all right. Don't in a don't. in a, a a medical office. Okay, that's great. Yeah, so good for them, yeah. you know. But there has to be a lot of hoops that you kind of have to jump there's over. There's rules, right?
0: Yeah. Hoops that you've got to make sure you can pass through or you're going to get arrested. Not arrested. Or fired. Or in court. Yeah. yeah, Or worse, dead. Let me just give one rule. I wouldn't date somebody if there's just two of you in the office.
6: How are you going to get anything done? Yeah. How's is... <laughs> And then every moment would be, can we talk about our problem? No, you're you're not treating it as work time. Right. You're you're treating it as extended quality time. Exactly. That's a no no. That's something you do not want to do. Okay, what are some other hoops? So you want to make sure that that one of you doesn't manage the other. If you're gonna if you're thinking about yeah. pursuing some yeah. kind of romantic, that's hard
0: when it's your uh, boss. Yeah, yeah.
6: No, that's a definitely no. That's Don't date. Period. Yep. That's, that's a just, good rule. Yeah, it's it puts everyone else in the environment and makes them feel awkward. And uh, you know you might. We want to consider leaving your job if you want to go after Yeah, that. get another job, then you can date your ex-boss. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, some other things... Uh, By the way, just
0: so everyone knows, I would never date my boss. Don. Don's <laughs> a great guy, would never date him.
6: And I'm pretty sure Don would never date me. You feel like your personalities would kind of clash a little bit?
0: Yeah, we're good friends, but maybe go fishing.
6: That's it. No dates. What else you got, Mike? Well, uh, you want to be wary of kind of keeping it secret, too. If you are going to pursue something and you're going to go for it, you need to let the uh, right channels know. Say your supervisor or HR and go right for it. Don't try to...
0: Don't hide it. Yeah. Yeah. That looks like you're guilty of something.
6: Well, I was talking to somebody and uh, they said that their boss came up to them casually after the relationship had ended and said something like, you weren't really fooling anyone. And she was mortified. Oh, wow. uh, Oh, wow. Every you might think you're keeping your relationship secret, but uh, you're not. Nope. everyone knows. That's good advice. Yeah. So so once it's uh, once a relationship, go public. Make go go to the necessary parties. And, don't wear uh, matching clothes. Exactly. That's just
0: awkward for everybody.
6: No, it's just don't I giggle. Don't my... giggle every
0: time you walk by each other's cubicle. You know.
6: Yeah. <laughs> And Stuff if, you, like that. if you're, if you're going to go for a relationship, another thing you might do is have a breakup contingency plan. Yeah. You know, just people are so wary of, oh, yeah. of pursuing a relationship in the workplace because there's so many different elements to it. What if we break up? You know, we're going to see each other in the workplace every right. day. Who gets to keep the dog? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Stuff like that.
6: And uh, so you might want to say, okay, if, if one of us isn't feeling it, let's just cut it off right immediately yeah. and, and not do the fade out approach.
0: No public displays of affection at work. Yeah. Don't you think? Don't bring your affection to work.
6: I think that's very important. You don't want to make the workplace environment awkward for anyone. Yeah, the
0: minute anyone else is uncomfortable, then it's going to become an issue.
6: Yeah, so you want to make sure the conditions are right. Mm -hmm. If it's a medium to small workplace, um, that may not be the right place. It's too small. Um, you
0: need like a mega corporation.
6: You know, that would work out. Like, if you're in different pro- departments, that's fine.
0: I've got one. If you're married, you shouldn't be dating anyone at the office. Is that a good one? You, if you're married, because that's where these affairs are all happening. It's. I'm telling you, it's bad. If everyone in the office knows you're having an affair, gosh, your trustworthiness to everyone in that office is down, shot. Down,
6: down. Low, low, low. Yeah.
0: Mm, mm. Uh you have, you have any more for us, Mike? They're telling me we're done. Oh, what do you think? One more.
6: One more? Well, uh, you know, there's, there's pros and cons, but I think there's definitely more cons than pros. That's, I would say no on that's, workplace flings. That's
0: why we went out of the workplace to try to find you dates. 220 of them. Are you married yet?
6: Not yet. Almost. Okay. Well, good. Working on it.
0: Just send me an invite.
6: I will. I'll send you two invites. How many do you want? Just two. Just two?
0: But you'll get one gift.
6: Dang it. I thought I was going to pull a fast one on you.
0: Nope. Uh, it's going to be a book on marriage.
6: That's what I give everyone. You know, we really need a toaster. If, you'll uh, get toasters. If you want a second me, gift in there. Okay.
0: you will get a toaster. That's what Merit will give you. Thanks, Mary. Okay, we are taking a break. When we come back, again, today's topic, uh, it's not just dating in the workplace, but, you know, you got to make your work your calling. And unless your calling is just to go out and be Casanova then dating may not be your goal in the workplace. What should be your goal is figuring out how you can find your passion, how you can be balanced, uh, and how you can figure out how to get your calling in life, your gifts, your talents in your workplace. Finding the right career. We've got an expert that's uh, written the book on it. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. To the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, today's show, a keeper. If you are in a workplace where you feel sick of your job, or if you envy those people who seem to positively love what they do, you know, they go head off to their workplace and they have this sense of joy and purpose. But for you, you know, you got to trudge back to the office on Monday morning or to the factory for graveyard shifts. Whatever's going on, uh, we may have a solution for you today. So, listen up. You may not have to just live in drudgery. You might be able to figure out how to make your work your calling. You know, find some other way to to you know release some of the the pressures and at least understand how to create a workplace that 's more aligned to who you are as a person, to your goals, your life, your lifestyle, your dreams. Um, we have an expert on the phone with us today. the author of the book, "Make Your Job a Calling." How the Psychology of Vocation Can Change Your Life at Work. Dr. Brian Dick is joining us. And uh, Dr. Brian Dick is an associate professor of psychology at Colorado State University, co-founder and chief science officer of Career Analytics Network. Um and he serves on editorial boards of six research journals, including the Journal of Vocational Behavior and the Journal of Career Assessment. He's the recipient of the 2010 Early Career Professional Award from the Society for Vocational Psychology and co-editor of two books, Psychology of Religion and Workplace Spirituality and Purpose and Meaning in the Workplace. Dr. Brian Dick, welcome to The Matt Townsend Show.
4: Well, thanks very much for having me, Matt.
0: You bet. It's an honor to have you. And I mean, who? I mean, really, you're perfectly aligned to help us with this. Now, I've heard the phrase, and I, I think it was by Parker Palmer. I don't know if you're familiar with here, him, mm-hmm. an educator, but he used the phrase, and I don't know if it was his, but that you, we want our. Eventually, our goal is to have our vocation be our avocation. Have you heard that?
4: Yeah, I've heard that. I, I think of it a little bit differently, but the themes are probably the same. So, I mean, to me, yeah. Yeah, to me, it's a matter of you know, for most people, just the sheer amount of time that you spend working, mm. um, you know, is such that you, you want that you want it to matter. You yeah. want it to align with what you feel is your purpose in life, and that's what really uh, living out a calling at work is about.
0: If you, I mean, that's yeah, true. If you're going to spend ten hours a day plus an hour commuting every day to go yeah. do this thing, it better align with. Your, your life, your calling.
4: That's right, and, and that's really partly how I started getting interested in this topic because early on when I was still a graduate student, I was doing some career counseling uh, through a clinic, and a lot of clients would come in and they'd be middle career folks, very uh, objectively successful, lawyers, um, business folks, and um, you know, they're making a good income, great benefits, but they just had a difficult time getting out of bed in the morning yeah. because they hated their job that much. And so they would say, what I really want is a calling. Um, and that spoke to me at that time. And it's uh, kind of launched uh, a lot of research, not just that I've been involved in, but uh, many of my colleagues. And, and that ultimately is what culminated in the book.
0: Wow. What is the... Because uh, to me, it seems like such a... Having been in corporate America for so long and and done training and consulting... I, I sit there, and you see it. And it's interesting. You said middle kind of middle management. It's it's it really is. Some of the young ones, the newbies, they might be more into it. I guess I don't know. They're new. Yeah. Some of the old ones have to write it into the retirement age. That you know, they've even got a number right. in the single digits before they can supposedly walk away. But it's those middle, you know, middle earners that not middle earners, but middle management maybe that have to pay.
4: Well, you know, it it does. There are a lot of differences within generations but you know by and large it does seem like when people get started out in a career um, they're excited to be earning a meaningful paycheck Um, you know you have access to opportunities you want to prove yourself and it's exciting when you get promoted or really good performance review and that kind of thing yeah but after a while chasing accolades and and you know trying to enrich yourself it just starts to ring hollow and uh, I I do find it seems like around middle career people are they've been doing what they've been doing for a while and they start to take a step back and say and, and looking forward to the next 20 years thinking boy do i want to keep doing this yeah and, and if if not then what are my alternatives and how do i figure this out
0: it's it i mean it seems like the same thing happens with parents you know it's fun for a little while and then all of a sudden you're like whoa we've got three three this is kids. A lot harder than I thought it. Do was. I really want to keep doing this? And so it's job, yeah. it might even be marriage, you know, the seven-year yeah. itch. Whoa. Um so it, it, maybe this is a universal thing you're onto, but, but there is a hatred. So what are some other reasons that you see that there there's the hatred? I guess it's exhaustion, but but why what is it about the job that really is wearing them down? What's the research telling us?
4: For people who are unhappy? Yeah. Um well, It's a variety of reasons. I mean, part of it is we tend to look on the other side of the fence a lot. And if we see the grass as greener, uh, in other words, if we think that there are other opportunities that we could be doing that would be better, regardless of whether or not that's true, uh, it makes us think differently about what we're doing now. Um, You know, another factor is working with coworkers who are miserable I mean, that's infectious. Mm You know, so if you're if you're having to spend hours alongside someone who's just really unhappy, it can be very difficult to maintain a sense of engagement with the work.
0: Yeah, talk about um, engagement. I always bring yeah. it up because it's it's there's some really interesting research out. I know you're probably familiar with it. About what seventy percent of our yeah. workforce is fairly disengaged from yeah. their, their work. They're not they're not right. actively engaged. There's right. I mean some are, but they're struggling. What yeah. what is engagement?
4: Well, engagement is a sense of absorption. It's a sense of excitement about the work. Um, It's a sense of fit. Like the work that I'm responsible for doing aligns well with with who I am as a person, with my strengths. Yeah. Um, And so you're right. Uh, It is only about 30% are are engaged, and that hasn't changed much over the last decade or so, that proportion. And of the people who are disengaged, you can talk about some of them as... uh, People who have kind of quit but not left the building, yeah, <laughs> you know they kind of they show up, they punch in they show up uh, they for every birthday time. party
0: to get their cake
4: right, exactly. and then
0: they're yeah, then they disappear into the yeah, but wood then wood. you
4: have that that portion of people about twenty percent who are actively disengaged,
0: yeah, so they're fighting against it, i guess
4: exactly they they you know and sometimes that can involve sabotage and mm. um you know these are people who really make life difficult um if you work with Someone like that, you know exactly who I'm talking about. Yeah,
0: it's yeah. It, is this a new thing? I mean, I'm thinking 80 years ago at the Ford plant, where they weren't measuring engagement, but were people were there? Was there this strata of different types of engagement, and or or was it more like you didn't you didn't know you had all these other choices?
4: Well, there, yeah, I think that's part of it. There are there are cultural and historical differences now, um, you know. Now, if you if you look at U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, they, you know, have tracked how many jobs people hold, and on average, um, it's about what eleven before the time you get Is it? To age fifty. It works out to about four years yeah. per job. In fact, there are people who now talk about the four-year career uh-huh. because it's so common for people to kind of move on in four-year intervals. Wow. Um, So, obviously, when that's the reality, and certainly there was a lot less change at earlier points in time, then it changes the way you think about your career. I mean, you can't assume stability, you can't assume that your employer is going to take care of you, Uh, and so it really forces you to be proactive and and to, you know, put yourself in the driver's seat, not lean on what my manager says is is the next step for me, Right. To, to map that out for yourself,
0: we're we're speaking with uh, Dr. Brian Dick. He's a PhD um, from Colorado State University, and really is an expert in vocational behavior, vocational psychology. He's written the book "Make Your Job a Calling: How the Psychology of Vocation Can Change Your Life at Work," and um, it's it's interesting. You know, you hear all these people talk about you are your brand. And um now everybody, I guess part of it is it used to be your company was your security, but now it seems like there's this paradigm that we need to take on our own responsibility for our own brand, like uh, that our job our 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 uh, vocation is going to change. it's going to have to adapt, and you better be willing to to plan and be proactive.
4: Yeah, it is. It is kind of an essential survival skill now. And and more and more companies as a cost saving measure are hiring people to work on projects as contractors. And so, you know, more and more people are free agents. And that's frustrating and it's difficult. On the other hand, there is an advantage to that. I mean, if you're if you see yourself in the driver's seat of your own career, then it gives you more latitude um, to especially if if you're successful and you have access to different opportunities, yeah. you can make choices based on which opportunity is going to align most with your values, and that's consistent with um, you know what we've discussed about calling and living out of calling.
0: Talk just a little bit about it, and then um, start into call into this concept of calling, and, and how how did you come up with the the word calling? I mean, is that that just? I mean, it seems like kind of a a ministry kind of idea, yeah. a church yep. idea, a spiritual idea
4: well yeah it 's an interesting word to study, yeah because it means i mean people mean different things when they use it um, it 's a term that 's got a long history and it, as it applies to work uh, you know early, early on um, in the early centuries uh, of the the previous millennia. You know, people were thinking about work in, in kind of two tiers. Uh-huh. Uh, one was the, the banal, kind of the just menial right. jobs that have no spiritual or sacred significance, um, which was basically every job except for clergy.
0: Yeah, interesting. And, right,
4: and, and monasteries. There's very clear separation between sacred and secular. And then around the time of the Protestant Reformers, so Luther and Calvin, and then the Puritans after them, they really kind of turned that on its head and um, made the case that well, any kind of work, uh, regardless of its type, can have sacred significance, can be approached as a calling, if you approach it in a way that glorifies God, that uh, makes the world a better place huh. somehow, that focuses on the common good. Yeah. So it's got this long history. I think it's become contemporary or it's become relevant again in, in the contemporary world. You see a lot of people using it. If you follow Oprah, oh yeah. You know Google Oprah commencement address, she she's all all over calling. Is she? Yeah, but you know, it is a more humanistic approach. I mean, um and Could, that's you you had to be a te- I mean, it seems like
0: then there then there's some natural fits to that paradigm, uh the teachers, mm-hmm. the healers, the healing arts, uh, you know. Uh, Well, that's right. But but then there seem like there's some um, that aren't, that that you have to really stretch it. But then I guess it's more like we were talking about earlier. Then it's just probably if your mission and your purpose is to take your wealth and give back to God or build community or donate your time and your resources, maybe that's how you do it.
4: Yeah, I mean, you know, one distinction we make a lot about it um, is— that between a modern view of calling and what's called a neoclassical view. Uh-huh. So the modern view is a little bit more Oprah-ish, and it's it's the idea that a calling it comes from within, and it's something that you figure out and then pursue because it makes you personally happy, right? Mm-hmm. So it comes from within, and it's really about your own self-fulfillment and personal okay. happiness. And that, that can be a powerful motivator sure. for people, but that's not a calling in the way...
2: Yeah, the that, word has that, yeah.
4: historically been used. It's not what a calling means literally. And so, you know, the other approach, the neoclassical perspective, defines a calling as kind of having three parts. One, it implies that there's a caller.
0: Yeah.
4: higher uh, and source, so for yeah. For a lot of people, especially in the U.S., a pretty religious country, the caller is God. But right. it doesn't necessarily have to be. For some people, it's. It's, um, it a, could be government, the president, or government right. Or, yeah. right it's, but it's the idea that something outside of you is compelling you, calling you to do something. Um, and then the second part is meaning and purpose. So it's the sense that I have this broad sense of purpose in life, and what I spend my work time doing should align with that. Mm,
0: okay, that's cool. Okay?
4: And, then, and then the third is this pro-social orientation, yeah. it's this idea that you know, my gifts are not principally for me. And the way I spend my work time isn't just about making me happy, but it's about what I can contribute to the world around me, to the common good.
0: So my definition was neoclassical.
4: Yeah, yeah. yeah. That aligns more with how the word's been used historically, and I think that's important.
0: See, I'm I'm less Oprah, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) We are talking with uh, Dr. Brian Dick, uh, the author of the book Make Your Job a Calling – how the Psychology of Vocation Can Change Your Life at Work. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back and give you more ideas, more tools about how to uh, how to strike this balance, how to find the balance in your, your and find your calling in your employment and making a living, or at least see if we can to soften some of those edges. We're taking a break. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, we're wrapping up our first hour. Uh, Today we're taking on the discussion, uh, how to make your work your calling, um, and how to, I guess, how to figure out even what your calling is. I mean, so many people, if you're not just, if you're not a believer that there is someone doing the calling... And you don't know what your meaning and your purpose is, uh, then all of a sudden you may not know. You may just think you should be a dentist because dad was a dentist. And then all of a sudden you're filling some cavities and you think, I don't want to be a dentist anymore. So our guest today uh, is an expert in this. Brian Dick is his name. He's a Ph.D. from Colorado State University, an associate professor of psychology and co-founder and chief science officer of Career uh, Analytics Network. He serves on many of the boards of of research journals, six, in fact, and um, he understands vocational behavior. He understands about the psychology of getting a job, of keeping a job, and the workplace. He's even written um, some, or co-edited some books. One book was Psychology of Religion and Workplace Spirituality, and another was Purpose and Meaning in the Workplace. Dr. Brian Dick, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Matt. Uh, When we – this is like – this concept of balance, it seems like you're going to feel more and more out of balance. Um, It seems like the further away you are from what you would deem your calling, it it just seems like you're going to take a beating. And is that – does that – is that true?
4: Well, it probably – I suppose it depends on what you mean by balance. Yeah, I guess it Uh, does. Yeah, a lot of people talk about work-family balance.
0: Yeah. yeah, your yeah. life. and Because it seems like any any extra time, if I have to go travel for my company and I don't like my company yeah. and I don't like my job, but you're going to take me away from what I do like, Yeah, it's going to get ugly.
4: You're right. Yeah, I agree. Uh, there is a flip side to it, too. And actually, one of the things that we talk about uh, a little bit in the book is the fact that calling, although there's so much research showing that uh, people who are, think of their work as a calling are, are better employees, they they – feel happier, they feel more satisfied with their job and with life, there is a dark side uh, to having a calling Ooh, or, or they can be. And that, yeah. that that speaks to the balance issue a little bit. Um, there are some vulnerabilities that people with callings can can have, and one of them actually is workaholism. It's
0: true, huh? Yeah.
4: So if, if what you do really matters to you, you feel like you're making a really important, meaningful difference in the world around you, um, then it becomes really easy to rationalize uh, for yourself a kind of over-involvement, sure. even unhealthy levels of over-involvement. Yeah. Now I think when it goes too far in that direction, then it's not really a calling anymore. It becomes a distorted view, it becomes more of an obsession. Yeah. But there is, there is a sense in which people with a calling can be vulnerable. It's oh, uh, so and true. Having less va- less balance for that. Well, that's
0: I see that because then all these people call you and hey, can you come to a free speech mat? And well, yeah, this is my calling. Yeah, exactly. And my wife, So yeah. I've actually put my wife in charge of the free speeches, but she even buys into my calling. So she yeah. keeps giving me more. But it really is. And, and then all of a sudden, you're just justifying workaholism.
4: Well, it can't. It can. I mean, it can lead to that. right? Yeah. I mean, all the markers of workaholism um, can suddenly be present if you go too far down that road
0: yeah <laughs> that's scary i mean it's yeah. funny because it's a great problem to have i guess but it's it's just swinging the other way um what are some other reasons i mean other people that maybe don't even know it's their calling might just love their work there's got to be some sure i mean it's sometimes you just love what you do you just like getting in someone's mouth and drilling
4: that's right. Yeah, there are. I mean, it's not that the, on, the only way to enjoy work is to think of it as a calling. I mean, many people love their work, but don't necessarily think of it as a response to some kind of summons yeah. or, you know, not everyone thinks about the ways that what they do contributes to the world around them. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of people who are happy, who are engaged uh, many of them think of their work as a calling, but certainly not all of them.
0: What What would you say to those, Brian, that are sitting there thinking, oh, wow, what a luxury to love your job. Way to go, Brian. Yeah. I mean, these people that some people think that it's not an option to right, love right. your job. You just need yeah. to feed your family.
4: Yeah. Well, I'm really sensitive to that, honestly. I mean, I appreciate because that is a critique That's real. that I've yeah. offered against the work that we've done around this, that this is only for people who are privileged, yeah you know, who have a lot of resources and latitude and can just make choices and not have to worry about the realities of having to feed a family or, or you know, being someone who might be oppressed because right. of um, their social status or whatever. Um, so, you know, one of the things that we set out to do in the book is to help people think through how even less than ideal jobs you know jobs that maybe you fell into that you wouldn't necessarily have chosen, yeah uh, can be shaped into something that um, maybe resembles a calling
0: that's beautiful that's hope
4: yeah, it provides some hope, it provides some actionable strategies that yeah. people can can use, and you know one of the ones that we talk about there's a chapter devoted to this is called job crafting
0: see. Okay, this is what I want to get into because yeah. we're, let's take a break so we can come back and spend sure. a whole block on it. Again, we're talking with Brian Dick, who is the author of um, the book "Make Your Work Your Calling," uh, make your make your job no make your job a calling. How the psychology of vocation can change your life at work, and uh, so even if you don't, you know, even if you just don't have all the power and the belief that you can go make this happen, you might be in a job already that you could probably direct or shape or sculpt a little bit more to uh, to serve you and maybe take some life back and take some time to put some more important things in your life as well. We're going to take a break. More with uh, Dr. Brian Dick when we come back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. good afternoon everybody welcome to the matt townsend show i'm your host dr matt townsend your life coach your guide on the side doing what we can on our program to help you find the good life that is our objective Today we're taking on your work, your uh, your job, your place of employment. If I ask you the simple question, do you feel like you are called to do what you're doing at work? Uh, do you feel like your that this job jives with your greater purpose in life? Do you feel like uh, it, you're you're providing some benefit to the rest of society? Do you sense that's happening in your job? Because if you do have that going on, you might have made your job. A calling or you're calling a job. You may have figured out some of the code. For those of you that don't feel that, uh, all's not lost. There may still be ways that you can take your current job and shape it and sculpt it so that it's more aligned to who you want to be, to what you want to be. And um, we have the, the expert to help us do that today on our program. His name is uh, Dr. Brian Dick. He's the author of the book, Make Your Job a Calling. Um, How uh, the Psychology of Vocation Can Change Your Life at Work. He's also an associate professor of psychology at Colorado State and serves on many editorial boards uh, of research journals, including uh, the Journal of Vocational Behavior and the Journal of Career Assessment. He's the co-editor of two other books, Psychology of Religion and Workplace Spirituality and Purpose and Meaning in the Workplace, As well as he's received uh, an award in 2010, the Early Career Professional Award from the Society for Vocational Psychology. Dr. Brian Dick, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Matt. Uh, When before the break, you were starting to tell us that, regardless of kind of where you are in your workplace, you know whether you kind of feel like you had to be there because of the situation or you didn't know anything different. Wherever you are, though, you're saying you can. You can be proactive and find a way to start shaping, or at least creating some better conditions for yourself.
4: Right. So let me let me tell you a couple of stories. Yeah. Uh, to get the ball rolling here, um, you know, one is uh, you know I had a graduate student come into my office one day, and she said, "I have to tell you what happened to my husband this weekend," and uh, her husband was driving to Gunnison, Colorado, from Fort Collins, which is where we are. Yeah. So he was driving along a mountain pass, and you know those are two-lane mm-hmm. roads that kind of hug the mountain, and, and um, there was a lot of traffic. And as it turns out, there was uh, some construction going on on this road. And you know how this works. When there's construction on a road and it's a two-lane road, they often
0: yeah stop, down well, yeah.
4: one lane, yeah. and you have uh, a flagger. On either side of the construction zone, right? So right. It's a guy with an orange vest holding a stop sign. Says <laughs> stop on one side and slow on the other. Yeah.
0: Leathery skin. They're so tanned and burnt. Exactly.
4: Yeah. yeah exactly. So, um, so Bryce, my my student's husband, uh, was one of the first cars that got stuck right before, he, you know, right after he turned the sign from. <laughs> he had front row stop. Okay. Uh, but it was a nice day. His windows were down, and so he could hear someone in the car ahead of him ask this question. I'm just really curious. He said, how can you stand the work that you do? Interesting. I, I mean, and and you think about that question, and it seems a little bit bold to That's ask, kind of ju- yeah, that. judgment. How but, can you
0: be such a loser?
4: Right. But, that's but, horrible. Uh, I mean, most people don't aspire to uh, that kind of job as a yeah. profession. I mean, if you think about it, it just it seems kind of mind-numbing, standing mm-hmm. there all day, two-way radio, flipping yeah. the sign, back and forth. Uh, but this, this flagger, he perks up, and he says, you know, I'm glad you asked, because I love my job. And I'll tell you why I love my job. I love it because I care about these guys behind me.
6: Oh,
0: cool. And I care
4: about you and the people and all the cars that are now lining up behind you. And I get to keep you safe. There you go. He said, I get to make a tangible difference in my job every day, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to do it.
0: That's it. Uh, I mean, I, there it is, purpose I, right there.
4: Absolutely. And, you know, you hear a story like that, and, and it's inspiring because yeah. you think if, if someone in that role, in that job, can have that kind of approach and derive that much of a sense of purpose in it, what does that mean for me and yeah. for you and for the rest of us?
0: Part of it, I guess, you just have to be looking for... What you do love, and, and and maybe make that connection. I guess that was a connection to his heart, really.
4: It and, was, and and not only to his heart and to what he loves, but what ultimately matters to him. Yeah, uh, and, and to what, and to the difference that the the work makes. Yeah, right. And that that really ends up being key to cultivating a sense of purpose is identifying whatever it is that I do, day in and day out. How does it link to some kind of difference in the world around me that yeah. matters?
0: Even, even if it's right there in the moment, handing someone their food, I mean, it makes a difference. That's right. But you you That's almost right. have to be present for it, don't you? <laughs> because if you're disengaged, you might not see those moments anyway.
4: Yeah, hmm. it, yeah it, it does. I mean, it matters if you're looking for them or not, if you can identify them and, and seek them out. Yeah. Um, you know, another another example, uh, a story I like to tell is uh, I've got four boys, four young boys at home. And uh, when the third one was born, we had a custodian in the hospital uh, who would would come into our room and she very quickly became our favorite person in the hospital. And Her, <laughs> her job description was cleaning the room. And she did that. She, you know, wiped down surfaces, yeah. emptied the trash and that kind of thing. But she doted on our baby. She emphasized, emphasized, sorry, with my wife Amy and the lingering pain of childbirth. She told us stories about her family and, and, um, you know, would come in and say, I've been praying for you. How's my little patient? Oh, wonderful. And, you know, it's that kind of approach to her job that we just found very endearing. And the more I got to talking with her about it, the more it became clear this was something that she saw as a calling. Now, the job description, focuses on the cleaning, right? Um, but she saw it as intimately linked to the broader mission of the hospital. Um, And and it wasn't just about, you know, checking boxes on her job description. It was about providing high-quality care uh, to families that needed it. I love that. Um, I mean, think of how
0: valuable she is to that hospital. Because Absolutely. Because yeah. it's almost not even – some it's not even on the radar, but it's – to have your custodian care that much and make that big of an impact on a family, yeah. it's also it, – it, I was thinking, Brian, maybe um, – y, y, I mean it motivates – it changes you. So in, in a weird way, maybe that's one of the things we could do that would facilitate some people enjoying their jobs more is – Maybe we could point out when we see somebody that's fantastic yeah, and say, you know what, you made my day. You you made our family's day. Like how powerful is that? Because then they can connect.
4: Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's very important. And I, I actually sought out her supervisor and Did made you? sure he understood the difference that, you know, she was making for us. And, of course, he was well, in this case, he was well aware of it. In fact, there are stories about nurses having a difficult time with with some child patients, uh, and they would call, her name was Maggie, they would call Maggie in to break the ice uh, uh, with this. Now, again, this is the custodian. I
0: know. Maggie right? the custodian is the yeah, icebreaker.
4: And, and, That's yeah, so she, great. Yeah, they re- rely on her for this kind of thing. Now, what, here are some lessons we can learn from that, I think, that we can apply. Yeah. Um, what Maggie was good at doing was crafting her job in order to fit what mattered most to her. So she took the tasks that she was required to do, and she met all the tasks in her job description, but she added some. Um, and the ones that she added were, what kinds of things can I do to help you? Can I get a nurse or a doctor to help you? I mean, she would yeah. uh, add these interactions with patients. Uh, and you know, there are extra things. She didn't have to do them, but th- those are the things she most enjoyed. Yeah. So what kind of tasks can we change or add in our job to make the job more meaningful. That's one. Um, Another one is relationships. You know, a lot of people who find their work to be meaningful um, talk about the relationships they experience with customers, with coworkers. Uh, And so what are some ways that I can invest in relationships with the people that I spend my time with on the job in order to feel more connected to them?
0: Right, and it seems like um, some might think, well, that's just going to distract you,
4: yeah, from sure. doing
0: your cleaning. But in reality, yeah. it also it it is the difference. It's the special sauce.
4: Yeah, and if there if there's a manager who said that, that's a distraction. Don't yeah. do that. That manager should be fired. Honestly, yeah, yeah really. Uh, because what drives engagement, you know, it's yeah, really, yeah. feelings of connectedness. It, yeah, it's not just are you, you know doing A through G on your uh, list of job tasks before coffee this morning. Right. right? That's – again. Well,
0: anyone out there can can just sit there and say, how could I take my job, whatever it is, and be more um, – and, and relate better and connect more through my relationships? Anyone could ask that.
4: That's right. And it's not a panacea. I mean, no. Some jobs make it easier. Yeah to do this kind of thing than others. If you work on the line in a factory, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can't really think too much about changing the tasks. They don't really appreciate it when you freestyle it. (laughs) I'm going to do it this way. But I do think it's true that that most people have more latitude than they realize to proactively make changes within their current job to make it better.
0: And and even if the change is on your break, or even if the change is going to be a bigger part of you, you're going to go be a part of your union board. Or you're yeah. going to I – mean, or go be a volunteer firefighter as part of the team on the base. Or, I mean
4: there's That's right. no
0: end. That's there's right. no end.
4: Yeah. So, so no, what, so what tasks can find. we
0: change? What relationships can we invest yep. in?
4: Tasks, relationships. And the last one is how does this connect to something broader that matters to me? Hmm. And so you know, Maggie was able to do that by connecting her, her job as completely in sync with the hospital's mission of providing high-quality health care. Um, But you know, one of the ways I frame this question is by telling this really short story about three workers breaking up rocks. Okay. And they were, yeah. Bear with me here. There we go.
0: This wasn't in Fort Collins, was it? What
4: they were doing. Okay. And the first one said, "I'm making little ones out of big ones." And the second one said, "I'm earning a living." Yeah. And the third one said, "I'm building a cathedral." There you go. And you know, which of those three workers gets more, the most out of the job? Right. And then the question for the, for all of us, I think, is what cathedral are we building? You know, if we're able to identify and articulate the broader purpose that the work that we do is connected to, um, then it makes the work seem much more meaningful.
0: What a great, what a great blessing to your own life, though to to somehow tie it. Even if and again, I think you're right on. It doesn't matter what it is it doesn't even if what your what the greater purpose is is to finally create a better life for your family than sure. your father or mother were able to do for you. Yeah. It's powerful.
4: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So the challenge absolutely. really is so what what's the cathedral what cathedral are we all building?
4: That's right. That's right. And people will have different answers to that, but the the point I think is to really reflect on that question. Yeah. Uh and and to think through it and you know, what is the answer for you? If you can if you can identify an answer to that question and then think about it and remind yourself of it in those difficult moments where you have to do something you really don't enjoy doing or we have a negative interaction with a customer or something like that, then it has a way of, of keeping you grounded in the things that really matter. Huge. Oh, love
0: it. Dr. Brian Dick, that was easy. If you know why? I know why you're so good. It's because you just. I'm sure every time you get a break, you just go to the Garden of the Gods in Fort Collins and you just kick back.
4: Well, that's Colorado Springs. So oh, that's is a it? Two-hour drive.
0: Well, get going. <laughs> what's your problem? No,
4: we've got we've got plenty of uh, natural beauty in Fort Collins.
0: Too, but though. you know what's interesting? That might. In fact, there's another way, huh? Is there's other beauty in your cities, in wherever you work. There's always going to be something else you can look for. Whether it's the yeah. you know the spirit of the flag guy, whether it's the spirit of, of our um, the the custodian or the the one making the cathedral, beautiful job, yeah. Brian. Where can they find you? Uh, is there a website we could send them to to find you? I guess they can go to Amazon and get your book. Again, the sure. name of the book is uh, Making. I always I always make it a word.
4: make your job a calling.
0: Yeah, make your job a calling. <laughs> it's a go. great book. And uh, Brian obviously knows. Anywhere else we should send them,
6: Brian?
4: Yeah. The, the other, you mentioned I'm involved with a company called Career Analytics Network. Yeah. Uh, and we actually have a product called Job Zoology with a Z.
0: Okay.
4: And if people went to Jobsology.com, they would find um, a, a place to take some assessments that could help them understand how they're unique, different from other people, and uh, could link them to careers that would be a good fit for them.
0: Perfect. A tool, z.com and go look at the assessments. That's right. Awesome. Appreciate you, Brian. Take care. Thank you very much,
4: Matt. You I enjoyed bet. it.
0: Thank you. Me too. And I hope everybody out there felt it. There's a certain power when you recognize you're building a cathedral. And whatever we're doing on this earth, we're all contributing to a greater purpose, even if it's just to the hearts or lives, the, you know, a better life for another human being. It's still, it's valuable, uh, even if you're not compensated fairly for it. We're going to take a break. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, here's the deal, kids. Um, you want to find a job, right, that uh, takes you where you need to be, Get your mission and your purpose and your passion aligned to it. But sometimes it's hard to find jobs, except for the fact it seems like that people that know how to find jobs can find jobs, and the people that don't know how to find jobs can't find jobs. So one of the tools we wanted to give you today, if we're going to try to help you Make your job your calling. Uh, give you some tools, a leg up in the job searching market. So we brought in our own Jess Littlefield, cute I'm here. little Jesse <laughs> Jess, who's out there right now looking for a job. She's yeah. graduated. She's she's ready to go attack the world. Head on.
3: I am basically a full time job searcher, so and, I thought I knew a thing or two. Well, and you <laughs> know, kidding.
0: you've you've seemed very stressed. Oh, of late,
3: it. I I didn't mean to be so overt, but yeah. <laughs>
0: but it's because you know, now that school's done, you've got to go bring home the bacon.
3: Yeah, I'm like the sugar mama for Dalen. You're Dallin. the sugar
0: mama because Dalen is <laughs> in school for how many more years?
3: Like five.
0: So he's apparently going to med school.
3: Law school. Law school. Close. <laughs> okay.
0: So um, gallon has got, yeah. So you're going to need to make money for a long time.
3: Yeah. And lots, if possible, but yeah. probably not.
0: So you're in the job market, and I'm sure you've gone to just the classified ads of the mm-hmm. newspaper. That's just right. an easy place to find a job. Well, you
3: online just, is like, you know, yeah, it's just full of people trying to- Get people to work for them.
0: So you're saying instead of going to the classifieds, hey, maybe go find a job online.
3: Right. How? Um, Well, I think that using online resources um, narrows your search way faster. Yeah. And it broadens your, you know, like as far as the location goes, if you're willing to commute a little bit further, you don't have to, you can go find any job in Utah and or in the world. Right. I mean you, you just go to can, Paris and you can do you the wanted. search
0: like I love going to some of those sites and just seeing what's available. Like this is messed up. And <laughs> I think we've talked about this, but I am always looking at job um like job boards.
3: I know. It's the funniest thing. Why, Matt? I Everybody's don't know. wondering why.
0: <laughs> well, I, it's I'm not looking for a job unless you've got one. But um <laughs> I I really am not looking for a job. The the thing is I think it's just makes me feel secure. Because, okay, I could probably get that one. (laughs) So it's your ego that you're It's my ego. I'm trying to just feed my ego. I'm better than that. (laughs) (laughs) I could do that. But um, you're saying get online. No, so what resources are we talking about? Because when we say online, to me, that could be anything using a computer, right?
3: (laughs) Basically, it is. I mean, you can... I think there's um, tools online like you can do type tests. So many people have had me do typing tests. Oh, really? And I can see how fast I – How fast do you 83, type? 83. No big deal.
0: Holy cow. See, by the way, back in the 50s, you would have been a thoroughbred. <laughs> they would have loved you.
3: Yeah. I think anything more than like 70 is yeah. good.
0: Guess what I type?
3: 45. Nope. <laughs> what is it?
0: 140.
3: No way. You're okay. a liar. You're right.
0: I, it's not one. I don't know.
3: That's that's like impossible.
0: Well, it is for some. That's
3: funny. <laughs> okay. So you can do typing tests. You can practice things. You can learn. If they're like, you need to know Microsoft Excel really good or Microsoft yeah. Word, you can go on YouTube and know all of those things and be like, yeah, I... I got that. Yeah, got it. Um, so you can learn new things. You can bolster your skills. Um, and then just having access to all those different job types that are out there. See, really uh,
0: another great source, I think, is going... And finding out what your strengths are, right? What your talents are. And we've talked about yeah. this on the show before. But there's a website. And I so if you go look up strengths, character strengths, but there's a website. You go to Penn State University. And I really can't remember the website. I wasn't even thinking we were going to talk about this. But all of a sudden, all, um, you can go I, do about a 250-point quiz and it'll then tell you it'll rank one to twenty-five what your number one strengths are. Ooh, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I love that. And then all of a sudden, you not only just to make your calling, your job, and your job your calling, you might need to know what you're good at. Yeah. And once you know, like you won't believe it, but everything I do in my job is my strength.
3: <laughs> I can imagine that.
0: But see, it's not because I'm that good. It's just I delegate everything else. So anything that's <laughs> not my strength, like scheduling, not my strength. So if if I ever end up scheduling something for myself, it never works. And <laughs> so I don't show up. So merit does it. Yeah, so merit <laughs> does it or then other people from my office. So all yeah. of a sudden it makes it so once I know what my strengths are, and this gets into happiness because they're finding the happiest people are doing what they're good at. Yeah. They're not doing something that, that is not a strength. So happy mm-hmm. people work from the strength. Yeah. I mean, if they have to, they can use their strengths to fix their problems, right? But- don't work don't try to just be good at everything. Try to go be good at what you're really good at
3: yeah well, and that's another thing is that they list the requirements on there in depth and so yeah. you can be like, oh they're asking for this I'm I can do better yeah, I can do it better in a different job
0: see and what's so funny is if you if you don't know what your strengths are mm-hmm. you think your strength might be typing but see that's like a technical skill that's I guess it's needed in some jobs mm. Mm-hmm. But the, the, your character strengths might be more important. Like for me, uh, um, the ability to enroll people into my idea, I'm pretty good
3: at. Yeah, you are. So good.
0: to me, that's better for me to know than my typing numbers.
3: Yeah, it's and true. If
0: I know that, and so, in fact, some of the best um, people hiring today, they first start with your strengths and then they can take your strengths and put you into certain fields knowing that with certain strengths, you're going to learn. Mm-hmm. The technical skills, I can probably improve someone's typing skills better than I can improve their discipline,
3: yeah, or how well they interact yeah. with people,
0: but if you're somebody that's not disciplined, you probably ought not have a job where you've got to get up and be really disciplined
3: yeah <laughs> it's or you're true.
0: you're gonna get fired, and then yeah. honestly, you won't find it enjoyable, yeah right
3: and then and then you can be more successful because you're good at it, yeah, so that's great,
0: and LinkedIn is another one,
3: yeah. LinkedIn is huge. It's It's great. It's way big. Social networking online. Yeah. It's through LinkedIn. It always is. Everybody's there.
0: I can't tell you how many times I've had someone call me or email me saying, hey, you know this guy from this company. Could you ever send my resume to that guy from this company? And all of a sudden – Sure. And they can get a job that way. Who would have thought of that? Who'd have thought? You just send it to there, and then that guy refers it to somebody in his own company, and boom—you've got a job. That's so good. I love that.
3: And they know your skills. You can put everything on there, so it's really quick.
0: Well, we wish you the best of luck in your job search. Thanks.
3: I'll. No, I don't think I need it. I'm going to get a job. I got this.
0: I. You've you've not only got it, you've super got it. I got this. You got it. And and again, (laughs) we'll do. We'll write a letter of recommendation.
3: Thanks, man. I
0: don't know that it will pull any weight. Quite honestly, (laughs) I think you're crazy.
3: I'll write it, you sign it. Yeah, that's exactly perfect.
0: (laughs) Sounds good to me. See, that's our strengths. You write it, I'll sign it. (laughs) Jess, you're the best. Great advice. We're going to keep this topic going. More uh, after this break, we're going to take a break, come back, and keep talking about how to make your job your calling. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show right here on SiriusXM 143 BYU Radio. Everybody to the Matt Townsend show. Hey, we've been talking about improving your online influence. And uh, one of the areas online where it seems like you can really take advantage and stand out and kind of show yourself off would be in the field of your own career and in your own area of specialty. you know stuff like that. So we thought, hey, let's bring on the let's bring on the the career coach. Uh, Jennifer Armstead's her name. She's coached thousands of people to take their career to the next level, and she's known for her unique ability to help people determine their personal brand and career direction. She consults with companies on employee engagement to recruit and retain the right employees. She's a blog contributor to Forbes, also a career thought leader on Twitter. You can check her out at, at CareerCoachJen and go to her website, MovingForwardSolutions.com. Jennifer Armitstead, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show.
2: Hello,
0: Matt. Thank you. Hello. How are you doing?
2: I'm good. How's
0: the day? Hey, you know, uh, in the immortal words of Homer Simpson, this Internet thing is here to stay. <laughs> I yes. think it's gonna stay. Do you think it's gonna have st- <laughs> do you think, think so. it's gonna stick?
2: Yeah, probably.
0: Yeah. Now,
2: good odds.
0: now here's the deal, and I'm not gonna name names, but I have a friend who was a was an HR guy, lost his job, within ten days, found a killer next job in HR. Lost his job, you know, five years later and within 10 days found another killer job in HR. What is the deal? How come an HR guy can find a job that's killer in 10 days and the rest of us struggle our lifetime to find a job? I'm just throwing that out there.
2: Well, it, I, well, definitely because he knows the game. He's in HR. He knows how to handle the whole job search and who to talk to and how to handle it. Schmoozer. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a schmoozer. <laughs> It's all about who you know anyhow. I mean
0: that It's about influence. Really and long-term. and so part of the job of the online world is, and I know you're a master of this, so teach us, how do we you know make sure that we are maximizing our influence online, especially when it comes to our career searches, our jobs, our brand, our mm-hmm. personal brand.
2: Sure. well, when um, when it comes to anything related to your career, I will say this a thousand times and a thousand times over. You need to know what your personal brand is. So, it's really critical that you have clarity about what you want to be known for in your career and who you are. That's your your brand because if you don't have clarity around that first, then don't get online.
0: Right. You got to know you what you're about. Profile. Yeah.
2: Right, exactly. Yeah. I have seen people tweet stuff out that are totally like misaligned with who they are and what they're all about. And all it does is it causes confusion in the mind of the person who sees it. And that's not helpful. I can remember um, a couple of years ago I had an accountant who tweeted, I was following him on Twitter for just tax tips and different things. And he tweeted something about the color of nail polish that summer was light blue. Jeez. And I thought, why is an accountant tweeting about, the color of nail polish for the summer and I asked him about it and he told me that he had his teenage daughter running a Twitter account.
0: Oh
4: man.
2: So, and it might've been a mistake that she did, but the whole point is, is that you have to be consistent because you can really, you can hurt, um, you can hurt yourself and your reputation really quickly with online stuff.
0: It's so true. And maybe the rule is you just don't let your teenager be in charge yes, of your right? Twitter account. <laughs> The greatest thing I ever did was put my wife in charge of my Facebook.
2: He had almost 20,000 people following him on Twitter, too.
0: Really? Well, yeah. No, that's and it. So and fortunate. I mean, it's hard because um, you, you, that's why I guess you got to sit down, get a very clear view who you are, what you're trying to do. I mean, it's a big deal. I've I've had certain times where something has been released on my own Facebook page that I'm like, what? No, 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 no. But um, it's also pretty powerful when you finally when you know what you're trying to portray, and then you can get everyone around you knowing it. It's a pretty powerful thing.
2: Mm-hmm. It is. Well, once you have clarity on really what you're trying to do, then it becomes really easy to know what you want to post. Yeah. And so, for example, LinkedIn is awesome for career management. LinkedIn is absolutely the king social site to be on, and so you have a whole huge area where you have. Um, an opportunity to write whatever you want about yourself. It's the profile area, and uh, the opportunity to use really profound words researchable searchable words. It's right there. It's ready for you. But that's you have like two thousand words that you get to write. Yeah. On Twitter, you only get to post. You get one hundred and forty characters, and so um, you have to keep things really short, impactful, and, and to the point. Um, you can certainly shorten a link to an article that you like or whatnot, but. Anyhow, the point I'm getting at is that when you have that clarity, it doesn't matter which tool that you're using, it helps you to know what it is in fact you want to write and what you want to put out there so that you're painting a very consistent picture of what people can expect from you. And LinkedIn's powerful too because then you're connected to people that know you professionally or maybe from school and and sometimes even in your personal life, although I think more people use that for Facebook. Um, But then on LinkedIn, if you're posting articles or video clips you come across, or um, a suggestion on a book that you like, you have that opportunity to consistently be putting out a message that is in sync with what you want your brand to be, and it makes it a lot easier, actually.
0: Does, um, I mean, you you can't do harm by just having a, a LinkedIn page, right? I mean, there's no harm to getting one out there unless it's just not focused or... I mean, or does it matter that once you get it up, do you have to keep feeding it like it's a monster? I mean, it seems like a lot of people get overwhelmed because when does this end?
2: Yeah, right. I would say on LinkedIn, if you're posting something about once a week, you're okay. So I typically will tell people, find time in your week, in in whatever your week looks like, to spend 15 or 30 minutes on LinkedIn. Plus, it's good to go in there anyhow because you might be receiving messages from people on right. LinkedIn specifically. And so you want to go in there and you want to check it out. But yeah, if you were to go into LinkedIn once a week and be mindful of an article, you know, you have great resources like Forbes or Inc. some of these business um, journals that are online, you can go turn to a search for keywords. Let's say you're a project manager who uh, really wants to focus on efficiency of delivering software or something, you can go online and find so many different interesting articles. And just copy and paste the link right into your LinkedIn um, update. Type of like a sentence or two at the most about your thoughts, why you think it, why you think it's interesting article, and share it. And so that can maybe take you 10 or 15 minutes to do it. But then the people you're connected to will see you posting really good, juicy, helpful information that is in sync with who you are. Hmm. You want to make sure you're always putting stuff out there that is supporting your point of view. And the nice thing I like about that, too, is you're actually riding on somebody else's coattails. You're taking advantage of their reputation by posting their information that um, coincides with what you talk about.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's, I mean, that's how you leverage it, right? Because you're now, you're Mm -hmm. perceived to be like them or, you know, in the same Grouping as them as well. It's um, what are some more mistakes that we make online when it comes to like you always talk about the personal brand. What, what I mean, there's so many things we can do wrong just by not paying attention, um, you know, and, or posting something or having our teenage daughter post something. Um, what are some more things we ought to watch out for when it comes to us trying to have a brand and influence other people online?
2: Well, I think, um, well, my general rule is if you're not willing to write it on your front door, then don't post it anywhere online. <laughs> and so people will get into these modes of where they get really ticked off. Maybe they have a bad experience with a product or a company or something, and they can go off on a post saying how much they hated that company and the terrible service and whatever and um, and go on and on about it as if they're, you know, talking to their best friend and they're just uh, venting about how bad the experience is. So, the, yeah, you might want to post something to say, hey, beware of such and such company and I, I, I got screwed out of money or, you know, whatever it is. Right. But you might want to, you want to think about what is it that you really want to put out there? Because once you put it out there, there is no taking it back. You might try to delete it, the post. You might try to bury it by posting a bunch of other things. But once it's out there, it's out there forevermore. Yeah. And so, um, so like typically, you want to be careful about about your emotions and whatnot, especially during um, election time. Oh, I oh Did so you see that? I know things that were were bad. It was so not helpful for a lot of people. And there are people, you know, that I blocked because I didn't want to see their feed. Like, yeah, right. I'm tired of you're me. like, come you know, on, I mom. Left and right, left and, right I know. and right.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you're sick of it, mom. If you do that again. I'm blocking you. Um, do, do, yes, these, do employers really look, I mean, are they now doing an audit of someone's Facebook and social media mm. before they're hiring? Oh,
2: yes. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, the, like, the most recent statistic is 96% of recruiters will look at your profile online. You asked me a couple minutes ago, wow. does it really matter what you put on LinkedIn? Like, can't you just create a file or profile and just leave it up there? if you're not updating it, recruiters are going to notice that. Um, and so if you're going to put a profile out there on LinkedIn, make sure you fill it in so there's lots of really good significant information about you, make sure that you're getting recommendations, and then if you go in and you post something once a week, then that's good. You don't have to really do a lot more. That will that will be more than enough. Right. Um, and, and it'll keep you engaged in the community on LinkedIn as well if you go in there once a week. But yes, companies are absolutely, they're going through and they're they are checking people's Twitter feeds, they're looking at Facebook, they're looking at Instagram, Pinterest, line, any of the things that they can get their hands on. They want to see, what are you doing? And I can think of an example where a young man was going in for an interview at a company and the manager was looking at the guy's online, um, his uh, different social networks, and the, the young man had... Post on Twitter that he was on his way to an interview, although he didn't really want the job.
0: And the oh, man. Thought. Gone.
2: And the guy comes in for the interview, and the manager says, You know, so why are you here? Why are you interviewing with us? Which is a very legitimate sure. great question to ask to start the interview off. And the young man said, Oh, well, you know, I'm looking for a position, and, and this looks, you know, of interest to me. And the manager turns the monitor around on his desk and points to his his tweet and says, are you sure you really want to work here? Because you just tweeted an hour ago that you're not really interested in the position.
0: Oh, you got
2: me. I know, right?
0: (laughs) That is nuts. (laughs) Lesson learned. (laughs) Yeah, and then you're so mad because you got all dressed up and everything.
2: It's so right, yeah. And you drove over there. Oh, what a bummer.
0: It's a, so, so they're watching. That's like it.
2: That, even after the interview, if it doesn't go well, don't tweet something about how bad it was. Because yeah. that will stick with you forever. That's you right. Know, you, just, you just don't even want to go there.
0: I mean, and it's you can't bring it back. It's um, even if you found the perfect job the next day, it's still out there. So eventually, some employer is going to see that you bad mouthed a company. And that you worked for or were wanting to work for. I mean, it's just, you just can't win. You've mm-hmm. get, this gets back to our earlier guest talked about the number one rule is be authentic. You've got to be authentic. And I guess if who you are is a brute that beats everyone up on, in social media, then I guess you're just being true to yourself. But if you want a job sure. and you want a job next year and another job next year, then you probably ought to work on your brand. <laughs> sure
2: unless that serves you well. Maybe that's part of your persona and you're that's the edgy part of why yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's that's who you are. Then you would then you would consistently do that. And certain people will be turned off by it but if that's who you'd really don't want to be around then it doesn't matter. Yeah. But yeah, that's again back to the the authentic part or the personal brand stuff that I talk about. What do you really want to be known for and then be true to that and um, and be careful and mindful about what you're posting. I have seen people jump on LinkedIn and get involved in the groups. There's different groups that will have different um, um, if basically, if it's take them back to the project manager example. You can jump into groups, join those those groups, and participate in the conversations that will be grouped specifically for project managers. And so then I've seen people in these, in these groups participating in the conversation, making comments that are so lame and just don't do anything to add to the conversation yeah. at all. So it reminds me of being out at a party with friends and you know you're talking about some interesting topic and somebody just, you know, chimes in and says, Yeah, totally, man <laughs> and, and they haven't said anything else and it's like, Okay, well yeah. what? S- <laughs> How settle down I adding to the conversation here.
0: Yeah. You're like yeah, you just so look at them not, like, Yeah, settle down it's... man. Relax.
2: Right, yeah, right. We're all friends here. <laughs> Anyhow, but That's amazing. Of those opportunities of how can I make meaningful, thoughtful contributions to the conversation? And so I always look at it, at social media, as being a part of a dinner party. Mm. And so if I'm going to be at a dinner party, what is it that I want to talk about? How do I want to add to the conversation? Likewise, if I'm posting something on social media I want to make sure I post something that I can ask questions about or allow people to be engaged with the conversation. So you never want to post something and then never come back to it again. Right. Because that's like being at a dinner party and you say, hey, did you guys read that article in Forbes that was talking about the new, whatever, the new something or another? and and then you get up from the table and you walk away from the table. <laughs> bye bye. And you don't continue to participate yeah. in the conversation. You would never do that in that's real right. life. So I don't know why people do it on social media. That
0: is a great rule. Like I mean, act as if it's real life. Act as if it's a real discussion. Mm-hmm. No, see, that's the problem. Right. Is and uh, we probably need to go. But that's we we think of it as something different than us being us, we think of it as, no, I just made a, I just posted something on Facebook. I just tweeted something. But the reality is, is no, it's you engaging and inviting people to dialogue with you, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Man, Jen, you did it again. I think I'm going to get a new job. (laughs) I don't think it'll happen. I'm I'm the guy that actually, the problem is I am the guy that actually asks a question and walks away from it at a dinner table. And then I forgot oh, I no. made you know you know how that Barrett. goes. Oh well, Jennifer, thanks so much again. Everybody, go check out Jennifer's site, movingforwardsolutions.com, dot com, or follow her on Twitter at CareerCoachJen. She'll guarantee you a job.
2: Hey now, I just that.
0: I just threw that out there. See how quiet it went? Thanks. She'll guarantee it. She'll at least help you figure out your life. Okay, appreciate it, Jen, and. uh Keep up the great work and helping people find jobs and uh, stay employed. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We're going to take a break. We're coming back. We're going to wrap it up with a little game of truth or fiction. And then uh, maybe a little update from Michael Pond on his Lovefest 2014. We'll be right back right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Well, welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. That's the hoedown music, which means <laughs> Matthew Richards is here <laughs> doing, the, doing the dance.
5: Yeah, I am. Welcome
0: to the Z-Block, Maddie.
5: Welcome to the Z-Block, Matt.
0: Hey, as, as we've been talking about loving your job and finding a job that is your calling.
5: I'm quitting. No, I'm just kidding. Maddie <laughs> wanted to make an announcement
0: that she has found a job that uh, she's working in that's not her calling.
5: No, just so kidding. You well, can't get
0: enough of this show.
5: Radio is my calling. I don't know if Matt Townsend is my call. I don't know. We'll see. Come again? <laughs> oh, never mind. Um, let's get started.
0: Hey, uh <laughs> you've got crazy jobs.
5: Yes. So
0: a, from a crazy girl, crazy. crazy
5: jobs. Sure. Okay. So everyone, you know, here's a that's the most random job I've ever heard of. So I've made a list of the okay. craziest, most random jobs. Okay. I'm gonna give you a job description and you're gonna tell me what the job is. All right. Piece of cake. Spice free diet. And you sample three cartons of each flavor daily.
0: That would be somebody uh, testing clove cigarettes.
5: No, hmm. close. Really, the Dryer's ice cream taste tester. Oh, and it, this is an, These are all real jobs, and this guy gets paid to sample three cartons of each flavor daily to check the product quality. That's all he does. Uh-huh.
0: Three cartons. He only has to have a few bites of three cartons.
5: Yeah, you just has, you know, but make he sure. he said he has to have a spice spice-free free diet. Yeah, he can't eat any spices, so his palate is clear. I'll do that. That is so for the bizarre. Taste. I know. Who hey, would want to hey, do that? sign me up. I know. You I want that. You like ice cream, but you don't I like the taste cream. of anything else. Mm-mm. All right, next mm. one. This person is responsible for follicle flips and is not allowed to let anyone have a bad hair day.
0: Mm, that. Not allowed to have anyone have a bad hair day, and they're responsible for follicle flips. That would be a, a hair stylist um, using a straight uh, straightening iron.
5: No. Kind of close. It's the hair simulation supervisor for Pixar. So huh. there's one person whose job is 100% to make sure the hair, hair. of all the animation really? looks right. Nightmare. That when they're moving – Their hair moves the right way that hair should move. Crazy, right?
0: I think you'd be good at that.
5: Thank you. Your
0: hair moves perfectly.
5: That was a nice thing that you said. Thank you. I I was about to say something
0: rude, and I backed it out and said something nice. Something nice. nice.
5: Thank you. I appreciate that. That's
0: to keep you around for another show.
5: Okay, perfect. I'll be here. This person wears a thermal suit and lays in a bed. What's the job?
0: Sounds like a lazy thermal suit wearing person.
5: Okay, this job is bed warmer. So at hotels you can pay Oh, to have someone lay in gross. your bed in a thermal suit. That would be and so And make it more warm. Hey, my I know, name's Lenny. Right? Oh, man. You, know, you could just get like a heating pad and I stick know, it in bed. You know, or just, you know, deal with it. Oh. It's going to be cold for 30 seconds. You're I, fine. You know, it feels fresh <laughs> when you do that, though. Hey, my yeah. name's
0: Lenny. I'm here to uh, heat up your bed.
5: <laughs> exactly. Oh.
0: That is the worst.
5: That is I so know. gross. Gross. I know. Uh, I don't know why you'd wow. do that job or why oh, you'd would do have someone. I do it in some... a minute. I mean, I would do it too. It's <laughs> have someone... Who would hire? Why would you hire someone? How long does it take someone? somebody
0: to warm a bed?
5: It just I think it just depends on how long you request and are willing to take I have like a seven-minute
0: warm bed warming. <laughs> 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 okay.
5: <laughs> All right. We have someone that risks their life to get poison that will save lives.
0: That's a rattlesnake wrangler.
5: Close. That was good. That was good. Snake milker.
0: Yeah. They oh. like
5: put their hand yeah. inside the snake's mouth mm-hmm. and like make it give out its venom so that when someone has a rattlesnake bite, that goes into the antidote yeah. for them.
0: I have a friend that did that. Really? Yeah. He would catch rattlesnakes. You have a and friend? then he'd milk them. That's great. By the way, <laughs> it's so hard to milk a snake.
5: I believe it. Seriously. I uh, Snakes, not my thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, this person's job is to make sure that Lassie is eating well.
0: Lassie is eating well. Lassie is a female from Scotland. There's a laddie and a Lassie.
5: Merrick, can you
1: please help Matt real quick? Lassie is a famous dog. Oh, I knew that,
0: family. but that person the dog's dead, right? And Lassie's <laughs> dead, so we won't be feeding Lassie Lots anymore. of
1: times people use the word Lassie just to refer to any dog.
0: Well, or Laddie. <laughs>
1: okay.
5: Merit. Hello, Laddie. No, no, no. Lassie. <laughs> this, no, I am referring to the dog. The dog. So do you have any ideas now that we know? Well,
0: yeah, I'm so referring... that person's the dog trainer.
5: No, no, no. Dog This person Dietitian? eats pet food to <gasps> taste it. Like, taste test pet food.
0: Well, that sounds like a frat boy.
5: <laughs> it sounds is horrible. Is what boy? it sounds like. You have to have really bad.
0: So which which of these jobs are you going to do?
5: I'm going to work on the Matt Townsend show. You still Actually, like I'm going to take over the Matt Townsend show one day.
0: Well, if you take over the Matt Townsend show, would you not then still have to change the name? So then it wouldn't no, no, be
5: no, the Matt it Townsend. Mattie Townsend.
4: She's still under the impression that her being on the show gives her your last name. Doesn't I think <laughs> she thinks I'm her father.
5: <laughs> no, that, no, that's Sean. Come on, okay. we're getting confused with our this radio is the family here. <laughs>
0: thing. Well, okay, Maddie, I wish you the best of luck taking over my show.
5: Thank you. Because <laughs>
0: my job? My goal is to have hair like yours.
5: I know, but those are crazy jobs, right? Crazy I would jobs. Never do those
0: from a crazy girl. Sure. Well done. Team, you did it again. Man, it's amazing we even have a job. <laughs> you know what I
5: mean? Hey, we have fun.
0: I don't think they listen. Our bosses must not listen to this show <laughs> because it's still the greatest job in the world. Hey, we're out of here. We're going to go test some ice cream. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back tomorrow. More tools, more ideas, more solutions to help you find the good life. Thanks for joining us, and thanks for listening to us right here on BYU Radio.